Hello, everyone, and welcome to the newest episode of the Metabolism and Menopause podcast. I am your host, Stephanie, and today we are talking all about insulin resistance because this is something that so many women struggle with as they start transitioning during perimenopause, menopause, and onwards. And this is because when estrogen decreases, insulin resistance is naturally going to go up. Um, This is because estrogen plays a huge role in our insulin sensitivity. So again, as that starts to decrease, insulin resistance is going to go up. And this is why we typically see things like all of a sudden we have energy crashes, we have cravings, um, we start feeling super fatigued, we have the brain fog, all these things can be linked to this. Um, So one of the big roles that estrogen has that does help regulate insulin action. Um, And when estrogen decreases during menopause, we're going to have a reduction in our metabolic rate. It's going to shift to an increased progression of metabolic syndrome. So again, it's dealing with blood sugars here, and that can lead to insulin resistance and then type 2 diabetes as well, which again, we want to avoid at all costs. And this is also going to result in our body naturally wanting to hold on to fat. We're going to see an increase in inflammation. That's going to lead to a whole other schwack of chronic conditions. So we want to avoid this as best as we can. So we know that estrogen and progesterone are both going to affect our cellular response to insulin. And when we have estrogen dominance, um, as we will experience as the estrogen and progesterone start to drop at different rates, estrogen is still decreasing, but you can have these symptoms of like estrogen dominance compared to how low your progesterone is. Um, and again, we'll talk a little bit more in detail about that on a different podcast because that's something I could talk about for a very long time. Um, and I'm going to try and keep on track as best as I can. So what happens is basically we're just going to have less ability to pull the sugars from the bloodstream into our cells, and then it'll start to get stored into fat, which again, nobody wants. Um, And when we see estrogen dominance, we actually do see that there's going to be an elevation in blood sugar as well there. Then we're going to see a flat line in both your progesterone and estrogen post-menopause. This is when We've been with a period without a period for a year, um, and now you have that complete decrease in insulin sensitivity or that increase in your insulin resistance because now both progesterone and estrogen are really low. They flatlined, and they do help work to push glucose into the liver and into the muscles, um, whereas now it's going to be predominantly going to like fat or um, a GLUT4 response, which we'll talk about later as well. We'll get into a little bit of the sciencey stuff, but I'll try and simplify it as best as I can to help it make sense for you. Um, so let's talk about this like GLUT4 that I just mentioned. It's basically what I like to call like a doggy door. It opens up when we're exercising. Um, this little doggy door opens and then blood sugars can go into our muscle cells, but those come to the top of the cell and open when we are being active. So if you're not exercising, that's not really working for you. So this is why being active during perimenopause and menopause, as well as if you're struggling with your blood sugars is really important. And that's because we want to make sure that that blood sugar is somewhere to go. Otherwise it's increasing and our body doesn't really know what to do with it. Um, insulin is going to respond, but it's not quite working without the hormonal effect of estrogen there to help push it to the liver and into our muscle tissues. So it becomes very difficult for our body to use starches and blood sugar as effectively as it used to. Um, so that it just can't get that glucose, the sugar into your cells. So what happens is fat storage, um, because your body starts to pull that blood sugar into the fat cells to get it out of circulation because it doesn't want to see that spike in blood sugar. So this is what happens when we're becoming more insulin resistant and when our estrogen goes down, which now I know all of you are like, great, I'm screwed. Thanks for like ruining my day stuff. Awesome. Like 
what a great way to start my morning. I'm never going to listen to you again. I'm going to help explain a little bit more about how this works and then what you can do about it. And it doesn't involve cutting out carbs or having to do like ridiculous amounts of exercise. I am going to help explain this to you. So um, they're also saying, quick little fact here, is that insulin resistance is an epidemic that is causing about roughly one, that is in at least one to three Americans, which is crazy. So even though it's like quite common, a lot of people don't really understand how common it is, how it affects our long-term health. And a lot of people are insulin resistant without even knowing it. So you can take some of the tidbits that we're going to talk about today and apply it into your everyday life just to make sure you're being proactive and setting yourself up for success. Um, And again, this can be a really big issue with weight loss resistance. So we want to make sure that we are dealing with it as best as we can. So I know I've talked a lot about insulin resistance, but like, what is insulin? Like, does anyone ever explain that to you? Um, I'm going to explain it to you now, now here anyways. So Insulin is a protein that is manufactured in one part of our body, the pancreas, and then it moves through our blood, affecting other parts of our body. Insulin's role is to make bigger things out of smaller things. It's anabolic or a building hormone. It's extremely important to the body um, when it works properly. Insulin is known for regulating our blood glucose levels, so our blood sugars. Um, When we eat foods that increase our blood sugars, the pancreas is going to release insulin, which is going to open the doors um, to the cells in our body to kind of like guide the blood sugars into various parts of our body, like our brain, our heart, our muscle, and fat tissue. But insulin really has an effect on every single cell in the body, um, which is actually quite unusual for other hormones. So it actually affects us in so many ways. Um, So basically, it's like a little taxi driver. It just like takes the blood sugar, takes it to where it needs to go, and that's how it works. So insulin resistance is defined as a reduced response to the hormone insulin. So this means cells just stop responding to insulin, which can be caused by a ton of different conditions. Um, And then that cell becomes insulin resistant. So that's what we mean by that. So insulin resistance is a bit more difficult to diagnose as there's no like one single test that can be taken. And it's not technically a condition that you can feel, but there are some signs of insulin resistance. Um, And here are some of those. So a waistline over 35 inches in women or 40 inches in men. Fasting glucose levels over 100. Fasting triglycerides levels over 150. Um, A high HDL cholesterol level under 40 in men and 50 in women skin tags, which is like super surprising. Um, and then patches of like dark velvety skin as well are, are, um, kind of little signals that you might be dealing with some of this stuff. Um, insulin resistance often leads to type two diabetes. Type two diabetes is insulin resistance that has gone undiagnosed and untreated for too long. Um, and it has progressed to a point where the body is just now not able to keep up with blood sugar levels below 126. Um, insulin resistance alone will not kill you, but the disease can progress and can be life-threatening. Um, so like you don't need to worry too, too much. Like, yes, we want to improve your health. We want to do everything that we can. Just having type 2 diabetes alone doesn't mean that's like a death sentence by any means, but it can progress if we aren't taking care of it. And that's what I want to talk about. Um, It can lead to a ton of conditions. So this is why insulin resistance, like it's really important to be aware of and start being proactive about it because it can lead to things like high blood pressure, heart disease, and other like cardiovascular complications, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, breast and prostate cancers. 
increases in inflammation, which is going to result in, again, other chronic conditions as well. Um, cardiomyopathy can lead to migraine headaches, neuropathy, um, women's reproductive health. You can get gestational diabetes, preeclampsia, overweight or underweight babies can result in PCOS um, and like so much more. So it's really important for us to do what we can, again, to be proactive, especially since during perimenopause and menopause, that estrogen level decreases, which already puts us at an increased insulin resistance and puts us at a higher risk for developing these things. Um, and again, I'm not saying this to scare you. It's that you can set yourself up for success, be knowledgeable, have the education so that you can, again, live a long, healthy life, feel good. And again, if weight loss is something that you are working towards, this is really important because if you're not addressing this, it's going to make the journey a lot more difficult for you. So what can we do to improve insulin sensitivity and move into better health? So basically one is we want to get moving. So remember that we have this glute four, this doggy door that is activated when you are exercising. So if you increase your overall daily movement, that has been scientifically proven to improve insulin resistance. Any type of increased activity is going to be beneficial at improving your insulin sensitivity because it's going to take those sugars from the blood without having to use insulin. That's really important. So this is things like walking, any kind of activity is going to be helpful here. So again, insulin resistance is like are the insulin's like knocking on the doors of the cell. And like normally you knock on the door once or twice, door opens, blood sugars can go in. That's the role of your insulin. When you become more insulin resistance, you're like knocking at the door, knocking at the door, knocking at the door. And it's like, okay, come on, open this door, body. Like, let's go, let's go. And it's not opening the door for the blood sugars to come in. So now we got to find a different way. So the doggy door, which is what I call the glute four, is the doggy door when you're being active opens and allows those blood sugars to go in without insulin having to come in and knock on those doors. Because the more insulin that there is, the more knocking on the doors, um, the more insulin resistant you're going to be. So we want to activate those doggy doors as much as we can. So being active regularly during your day is very important. This is why like setting a timer for every hour to get up and just go for a five minute walk, go to the bathroom, fill up your water bottle, whatever it is, that's actually so, so helpful. And the more muscle mass that you have, the more doggy doors that you're going to have for blood sugars to go into. So this is why resistance training is so helpful. Um, like, this is this one is huge. The resistance training is huge. Over the overall benefits of strength training are unmatched by literally any other form of exercise. When you compare it to cardio activity, resistance training studies reveal that minute for minute, resistance training may be superior to actually improving insulin sensitivity. So this is helping open up those doggy doors, but also you're building more muscle mass. You're main maintaining the muscle mass that we're already struggling to maintain when those estrogen levels decrease. So the more muscle that you have, the more places that you have for those sugars to go that your body is going to want to do as opposed to putting it towards fat cells. Um, so it's very, very important and crucial in maintaining your insulin sensitivity or improving your insulin sensitivity. So lean muscle mass is insulin sensitive while fat mass is insulin resistant. So the more muscle we have, again, the greater area that we have for that glucose and blood sugars to go without storing it as fat, which is again, going to lower the blood insulin, those doggy doors. So, so important. When we're talking about training, we want to make sure that there is a degree of intensity um, when you're lifting those weights. So you should be challenging yourself every single week to try and get stronger, progressive overload, 
trying to get heavier weights every single time. Um, And it should be fairly strenuous. Um, Like you should feel like it's challenging, but you're probably not going to get that crazy sweaty feeling that you're used to from cardio. And that doesn't mean it's not working. Um, This is actually good. Like you don't need to be super sweaty and out of breath to have a good workout. That's not a dick. That does not dictate if it was a good workout. Um, so you do need to have like a certain amount of intensity to elicit that glute four response to open those doggy doors. Um, so that is something to be aware of. You do need to like challenge yourself. So let's say you're aiming for six to eight reps. You want to pick a weight that you couldn't do more than 10 to 12 reps with. Um, if you feel like you can, then that's a sign that you need to increase your weights. Um, that's going to help you up the intensity. Do not shorten your rest times. We're trying to focus on getting stronger. We're trying to focus on building up your muscle mass. Um, so we want to make sure that we are doing like our two minute breaks in between each exercise um, to really set you up for success um, as best as we can. Then when you are doing post-exercise with the correct intensity, it's the perfect time for you to get some carbohydrates with a good protein source. Because since we have those doggy doors open, anything that you eat sugar-wise is going to be shuttled into the cells. And this is not me telling you to like work out and go crush a donut. Um, Although like I am guilty of that sometimes. I love my donuts so, so much. Um, But it is a great time, especially if you do struggle with your blood sugars, to have that nice carb snack to A, bring your cortisol levels down because it does increase post-exercise. And we know that if you have high cortisol levels, you are going to um, really struggle with like fat loss, weight loss, that kind of stuff. We want to regulate that as best as we can, especially since our hormonal stress buffer has decreased when estrogen goes down. Again, we'll do a whole other talk on that one day. But having your carbohydrate post-workout, super important. Um, It will help you so, so much. The next thing to help you combat this is improve your nutritional quality. First of all, eat. Like, I'm not telling you to not eat. Eat your freaking food. Um, Studies have shown that calorie restriction can actually cause insulin resistance. I'm going to just say that one more time for you. Studies have shown that calories or restrictions can actually cause insulin resistance. So in fact, with severe calorie restriction, the body can become insulin resistant in a matter of a few days. So very low calorie diets elicit a big stress on the body. I don't care. Your body doesn't know that you're trying to lose weight or get leaner for summer or whatever it is that you're trying to work towards. You're, it's still a stress on the body. Your body perceives it as stress and that's all there is to it. So as we have talked before, like this is going to lead to an increase in that stress hormone cortisol. So this is very important that we are not doing super low calorie diets when you're insulin resistant. We have to make sure that we are doing things appropriately. So this is why like during perimenopause and menopause, all of a sudden you go back to your super low calorie diets, your super low carb diets, their cardio exercise that you were doing before you're not seeing changes. In fact, you just feel worse, or in fact, you might actually gain weight. This is why. Um, Another thing is make sure you're increasing your dietary fiber intake. Fiber is very, very important. There are multiple epidemiological, I cannot say that word to save my life, (laughs) epidemiological studies found a correlation between fiber consumption and improving your insulin sensitivity. So try to work towards like at least your 20, 25 grams of fiber a day um, or increasing that even more if you can tolerate it. Um, And fiber is primarily going to come from fruits. Yes, you can have your fruits, have your fruits, they're good for you. Um, Veggies, your legumes, some grains, 
those are significantly going to improve your insulin sensitivity even after just six weeks. That's what those studies were doing, like we're showing. So have your fruit, like you can have your fruit. It's very important. Um, yes, there's sugar in them, but there's so many other things like fiber and other like properties that come to fruit that are very, very helpful that will counteract things for you. Um, so basically have your fruit, have your carbs, very important. Um, special note when we're talking about fiber though, is you want to increase slowly and you want to be consistent. So this is something I recommend tracking just for like a little bit so you can see where you're at. Um, I always like to tell the story of, I have a coach, Emma. Um, she gave me a recipe for a white chicken chili, which is freaking phenomenal. Um, you can find it in our Facebook group and our email list as well. Um, amazing, super high in protein, but also super high in fiber. Um, I tracked my food during that time. Thank goodness. My fiber was around like 15 to 20 ish, like 15 to 22 ish, um, like pretty consistent, which is good. You want to be consistent. If there's large fluctuations, digestion will not be good. Um, so what happened to me was I had it for lunch and like loved it. And then I had it for supper also. And I had two bowls at supper because I was like, this is amazing. It's high in protein. We're good. Um, the next day I felt terrible, like pretty bloated, was not feeling good at all. Um, I looked at my, my fiber intake. It was at 45. So I jumped up from about like 20 grams up to 45. I did not poop for five days. Um, I felt absolutely terrible. My weight went up by like five pounds. Didn't, I didn't like restrict my calories. I didn't do a ton of exercise. What I did was make sure I drank a lot of water make sure I walked a lot to help try and get things moving. Um, I like watched my fiber intake to go back to normal. You only want to increase like up a little bit, like every week so that you're not again, having these issues because if you're fluctuating your fiber a ton, it's quite tough on your digestion, especially if you're not used to it. So you got to increase slowly because your body can adapt because it does take a lot of work to digest that fiber. Um, so yeah, I drank a lot of water. I did feed up on the wall to help bring blood flow back to my gut to help with digestion, did some abdominal massage. Um, finally, five days later, I felt much better. Finally went to the washroom. Um, but you want to increase your fiber slowly. Yes, that's good for you, but like really monitor because you will end up bloated. It brings water into your bowels as well. Um, you're just, you're not going to feel good. I promise you. So yes, fiber is important, but please, please, please increase that slowly because you will not feel good. I promise. <laughs> okay. More about diet. Um, enjoy a diet that's a little bit high. It has a little bit more healthier fat in it. So other mechanisms that create insulin resistance, such as oxidative stress and inflammation, are improved in a diet that ha is higher in omega-3s. So our diet is typically very high in omega-6s. Um, that's like our processed foods, our saturated and trans fats, like not the things that we want. Um, so trying to find things that are like fish, your omega-3s, um, flaxseed, that kind of stuff is going to be really good. Um, your avocados, your olive oil, those are things that are going to help with inflammation, and oxidative stress, um, and set you up for success that way, which is again, going to help with your insulin resistance. Um, carbohydrates, you want to have your carbs. Um, but again, not all carbs are created equally. So you want to make sure that you're choosing them from good sources. So try to find things that are increasing your fiber, making sure they're nutrient dense, um, carbohydrates, try to find more carbs from like fruits, veggies, um, things like that to help with your insulin levels, your blood sugar levels, and your overall health, um, squash, potatoes, that kind of stuff. It's all fine. Just make sure you're pairing it appropriately. So again, making sure you're not chugging a bunch of water before your meals, making sure that you're 
preparing your carbs with protein and fat always. Um, if you can try and eat your veggies and protein before you have your carbs, these are all things that are going to help you. So you don't have to take out carbs from your diet. That's like a very, um, like ridiculous and also not a good life. Like I will never give up carbohydrates ever. Um, when people tell me they like eat like a hundred grams of carbs, like it makes me want to cry, eat like 200 a day. Um, they're so, so good for you. And the more active you are, the more stressed you are, the more carbs that you need. So it's just learning how to adjust the kind of carbs that you're having when you're having them, how to pair them so that you're not getting these blood sugar responses since we are at um, a disadvantage when it comes to insulin resistance just because of our estrogen levels. Um, the other things too is like micronutrients and vitamins. So consider adding, 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 oh my gosh, consider adding in supplements like magnesium, chromium, vitamin D, calcium, and zinc. Um, they will never um, compensate for an unhealthy diet. Macronutrients are like they're, those matter a lot. Um, micronutrients do too, but no amount of supplementation is ever going to help you more um, than adjusting like the big rocks, which is like your activity, your sleep, your stress, and like what you're putting into your body. Those things will always like changing those a little bit will result in big results and changes for you as opposed to like a supplement, which like might not do anything because you're trying to fight a losing battle because you're not adjusting the big things in your life that you need. Um, so those are like the big, big things. So in a nutshell, prioritizing your protein is going to be really important, making sure that you're choosing the right carbohydrates, have those healthy fats in your diet, um, and then pairing your meals appropriately. Very, very important when we're talking about nutrition, get that fiber in. Um, the next one that I love is you guys need to learn to chill the fuck out. Excuse my language, but it's very true. I'm going to refer to that as CTFO from now on. Um, hashtag CTFO. I had a client who like termed that for me because I said it a few times and she loved it. Um, but there is somewhat of a hierarchy when it comes to our hormones, which is really, really important to be aware of. Um, so what we have at the top is cortisol. This is like the king hormone. It's the one that we're like rushing around. We're go, go, go. Um, like type A, that's like that's the cortisol hormone, our stress hormone. It controls literally everything. So it goes cortisol. Then, um, and it has a powerful effect on like all the next hormones. So then there is our insulin. Insulin is our like weight loss hormone controlling our blood sugar in our meals. Um, and like the more sugars in our meals, the more insulin is, re is released. So if we keep eating a very high sugar processed diet, your body's going to keep like releasing insulin, insulin, insulin. And then your body is trying to combat that by increasing cortisol because they kind of fight each other a little bit. So this is why those two are very, very important to be aware of. And those are going to then impact your sex hormones, like your estrogen, your progesterone, your testosterone, all those things. So like people talk about having issues with their estrogen, their progesterone, their testosterone. But if you're not actually fixing the things above, it doesn't matter what you do, the ones below. So it's like you have all these holes um, that you're trying to like plug holes, but you're not dealing with the thing at the top. So you're worried about water coming out of this bucket and this stream coming in and you have all these little holes. So you're trying to like plug these little holes, but then everything's just spilling up the top anyways, because you're not addressing the root cause, which is the hose putting water from the top. So we want to try and maintain like a certain level in our bucket, but we can't because we're not adjusting things appropriately. So yes, there are issues with hormones. Yes, there are like pathways and stuff we need to address. But if you're not addressing cortisol, it doesn't really matter what you do with everything else because it's not going to change things for you. 
And we know that as our estrogen decreases, our stress tolerance decreases, so cortisol is going to be higher. So if cortisol is higher, we're constantly combating insulin. If insulin is high, we know that our cortisol is going to increase even higher. And it's like this losing battle, which is going to negatively affect all those other hormones, leading to all of these other symptoms and chronic conditions and your hot flashes, your night sweats, all those things. So it's really important. And again, I'm going to talk a big, big podcast. I'll probably have to do a couple parts of it on cortisol because there are so many things that need to be addressed here. Um, so again, if there's a issue with a particular hormone, it's really important to look up above in the hierarchy to see how that's influencing things down below. So a prolonged stress response of an increase in cortisol is going to like, does have the capacity to cause insulin resistance. Um, so yes, it can be like food related stuff, but it can also be stress related stuff. So we need to take it all into consideration. And this is why it's important to look at the person as a whole, as opposed to just looking at like one norm, one like test one number, one hormone, whatever it is, there's a whole human body attached to that, that we need to take a bigger look backwards and address everything. So what happens is cortisol wants us to have enough energy to get through whatever perceived stressful situation it is. And its response to that is by raising our blood sugar so that we have energy to provide our body with energy where we need it. So while a stress response in when you're actually stressed out is good, like we want that, it has its purpose and that's what we want. Um, the metabolic consequences of being in a high stress state, high cortisol state all of the time is not good. Um, it can cause a lot of chronic conditions, again, like your diabetes, your insulin resistance, all that kind of stuff. Um, so you have all this available glucose now because your body thinks it's in a stress state and like you might not feel like you're stressed. You're like, I manage this stuff super great. No, you were like a lobster that we put in water and then we started boiling it and it doesn't realize that it's boiling because it's just getting used to it. Is it a frog or a lobster? That analogy. I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyways, you're a lobster frog in the water. It starts to heat up, but you're like, oh, I'm good because you're like, you're just used to it. You don't realize it that you're like literally killing yourself. So we need to adjust, take a step back and take a full inventory of your life. So are you go, go, go all the time? Are you rushing out the door? Are you skipping meals? Are you skipping breakfast? Are you cutting out carbs? Are you in a low calorie state? Are you suffering with sleep? Are you doing a ton of cardio? Um, do you have a lot of family stressors, financial stressors, work stress, um, shuttling kids from one place to the other? All of these things, it's just stress on top of stress on top of stress. And your body doesn't realize or care that you're trying to lose weight by cutting your calories and doing a bunch of cardio all it knows is that it's just in a very high stress state, which is constantly elevating your blood sugar levels, which is causing your insulin to go up, which is causing insulin resistance. So now your cells aren't opening up, which is shuttling all that sugar into fat, which is making it inherently more difficult for you to lose weight. Plus, this is already happening when your estrogen levels are decreasing. So we need to take full inventory of this and make sure that you're eating enough. Make sure that you are taking time in your day to literally CTFO lay down for five minutes, focus on breathing deeply, breathing slowly, bringing that heart rate down. And it'll feel uncomfortable because we're not used to not rushing around all the time. We need to take the time to relax, whether that's like a very slow leisurely walk. We're not mall walking. We're not walking to exercise. We are burn calories. We are walking to calm ourselves down. Maybe it's some stretching. Maybe it's reading like a nice relaxing book. Maybe it's listening to some light music or a, like a not too stimulating podcast or 
whatever that might look like for you, but you need to take the time to get you out of that fight or flight response because that's what you're in all the time. And it's just negatively affecting you in so many more ways than you realize. And it's going to really affect your ability to lose weight, feel good. You're going to be stuck with these hormonal symptoms. You're going to keep gaining belly fat. You're going to keep feeling terrible. You're going to be tired, having these crashes and cravings and just being absolutely exhausted. And then looking in the mirror and not even realizing what's going on or recognizing the person that's right in front of you. Like, so we need to learn to adjust this appropriately. And no, you can't always get rid of stressors in your life. No, that's not realistic. Those are always going to be there. We just need to learn how to eat in a way and move in a way and uh, change our lifestyle a bit to help buffer those stressors. And it's not going to be in the way that you think. It's not the eat less, move more. It's eat enough and like do the appropriate kind of activity. That's what you need. Um, there are also, sorry, that was quite the rant, you guys. My goodness, I just get so worked up sometimes. Um, okay, so the last little thing I want to talk about, last little thing, I've got like two more points. Um, lifestyle factors, quitting smoking. Cigarette smoke profoundly desensitizes the whole body to insulin. So even second and third hand smoke can be dangerous for this. Um, there are some specific ingredients that if you ingest like food wise that can, um, that have been particularly tied to insulin resistance. Um, so there's like a correlation there. I'm not going to say a cause, but there is like a relationship between them. And this is MSGs, um, petrochemicals like BPAs, um, some pesticides, and then some sugars and artificial sweeteners. So just being aware of like food quality and where it's coming from sleep, make sure you're getting enough good quality and quantity sleep. Cause if we're not cortisol goes up then we know insulin is going to go up. Um, and again, leading to insulin resistance and fat gain, which we do not want. And then sedentary living. So the less we move, the more insulin resistant, resistant our body is going to become. Because again, we talked about those doggy doors. We need to open those in order to be able to get blood sugars in, especially as we become more insulin resistant. We rely on that method a lot more to help with our blood sugars. Um, so, and this is why that tends to worsen with age, not just because of our estrogen levels, but because we start becoming more sedentary. So making sure that you're getting those steps in a day, you don't have to do crazy amounts of cardio or anything like that. Like just move lightly. It doesn't have to be anything insane by any means. Um, and again, you can always go to doctors, um, depending, like there are some medications that can help improve symptoms, symptoms. There are medications that can help with symptoms to some degrees, but they are not addressing the root cause, which is typically going to be your cortisol, which is typically going to be how much you're moving, how stressed out you are, the kind of foods that you're eating, how you're eating, food pairings, these kinds of things. So there might be some improvement, but at the end of the day, it's not going to address the root cause. So even though you're feeling better, you're not actually like the issue is still there. The problem is still happening. And we want to make sure that you are actually addressing that and being aware of that because otherwise it's going to make it really hard again to lose weight. You might start feeling better for symptom wise with a lot of these things, but we're not addressing the root cause. So that is something that we need to really be aware of. Um, it's, it's a shame how much we rely on medications for stuff because while it might help with like temporary relief, it's not going to help with the weight gain. It's not going to help with any of the other things because the root cause is still there. Um, and I'm more about treating causes and not symptoms. So I hope you guys found this helpful. I know it was a ton of information and you'll probably have to go back and listen again. Um, if you are someone who is struggling with blood sugars or you're feeling very lost, um, especially since going through perimenopause and menopause, you just woke up and now all of a sudden 
You don't know what's going on. Your blood sugars are out of whack. You're struggling with weight loss. The things that you were doing to lose weight before are no longer working. Um, feel free to send me a message. I'm more than happy to help you strategize and figure out what kind of things would be most helpful for you, help you calculate your calories, your macros, whatever it is. I do those for free for people all the time. You can find the ways to contact me down below in the show notes. Um, thank you so much for listening and I will talk to you soon. Have a great day.